0: I am preaching on a series of five eternal metaphors. Now, why do I call them eternal metaphors? For this reason. If you were to look through the Bible, you would find Jesus and others using symbols or metaphors that represent, a physical metaphor that represents a spiritual truth. Yeast sometimes represents sin. In Jesus' parable of the yeast, it actually represents the sons of the kingdom, and that that yeast will impact or leaven the entire lump which represents the world, and consequently the kingdom of God and the children of the kingdom of God, it says, will eventually impact the entire world. I look forward to that day, including in the 1040 window, in which everybody is impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, I want to talk about that today, but this... An eternal metaphor, though, is something in which God, recognizing a spiritual reality, literally created an earthly analogy or an earthly metaphor. And we looked at one, and that was marriage, that God actually created marriage with the intention of it reflecting a spiritual truth. So I said it this way, the heavenly precedes the earthly. The spiritual precedes the physical. So I spent two weeks on marriage and how that is an eternal metaphor. And if you want to disagree with this concept of an eternal metaphor, I'm not going to haggle over that. But we will recognize that in these metaphors that I'm going to be preaching on, God actually created the earthly reality to reflect a spiritual reality. He didn't. There wasn't a spiritual reality and looked at, okay, well, what? what on earth, literally on earth, Can reflect this spiritual reality. No, he actually created that reality, in this case, marriage, to reflect a spiritual truth. Today, I want to start talking about the family. That God actually created the physical family to reflect a spiritual and eternal truth. So to do that, turn with me then to, to John chapter 8. And while you're turning there, can I just say that if you are here this evening and you would recognize that you are not a child of God, that God actually wants to birth something in you to make you his child, And that there is actually, if we could call it a gestational period, but a time in which the Spirit of God ministers truth to your heart. And you come to this place in which you say yes to Jesus, you are born again and you are born spiritually into his kingdom, And the result of that, then, is that you have this amazing inheritance. So I'm going to look at that next week. We're going to be looking at the family of God, the relationships, and and a lot of things related to that. Tonight, I want us to focus on what does it mean to be a child of God, to be birthed into the family of God? And what is this inheritance, then, that is children of God that we have? I am so glad that in my spiritual Gestation period, that time in which I wrestled with these truths of God, He did not abort me. Anyone who comes. To Jesus, he will in no wise cast out. He will not spiritually abort. He will not turn them away. He draws them. Jesus put it this way. No one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. And if tonight you you feel as if God himself is drawing you, I'm going to encourage you, please surrender to that conviction of the Spirit of God, the conviction of what is truth. So if you're there. Because that's where it all comes down to, truth. And Jesus makes this point so clear. John chapter 8, starting with verse 32. He says, then you will know the, what church? The truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, the, the Jews listening to this said, set me free? What? I'm not a slave. What, what, Jesus, what are you talking about? That They word it this way. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Anyone, excuse me, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it. How long, church? Forever. Amen. Verse 36. So, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants. Yet You're ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. They're rejecting the truth, see? I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your Father. Oh, you can... You can hear the people now. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you're determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. What is Jesus trying to, who is Jesus trying to say their real father is? Who? Yeah, the devil. If you look at verse 44, yeah, the devil is your father and you have learned his language so well, which is lies because he's the father of lies. Hmm. Jesus didn't pull any punches with this did you see the distinction that he made here between a slave and a son? Now, I could say a daughter, but that's beside the point, a child of God. Now, the basic point is that there's a difference between a slave and a child, and a son, a rightful heir. A slave has no place in the family. He serves the family, They may bless him financially, a place to live, food, but he has no place. A son does. So his point here is you guys, you're all slaves. See, you're slaves, you're not sons. Wait a second. Yes, we are. were sons of Abraham, but his point is you're not sons of God. You think that because you were born a Jew, you now are a child of God. John the Baptist put it this way to them God can raise up sons of Abraham or sons of God from these stones. Ouch. That was pointed. You see, this being a child of God is not something that is inherited. I went to. I, I, I was born and raised in a Christian home, went to church all of my life. I truly believed that because of that, of course I'm a Christian. If you were to look throughout this world, most people, most truly, throughout this world, most people would say, well, of course I'm a Christian. I was born in a Christian home. I go to church and, and maybe I, I, I talk like a Christian, whatever. And they aren't truly born of God. I want us to look at that. What does it mean to be born of God? Because if we are still slaves to sin, and who is a slave to sin? It is the one who, Jesus put it very frankly, the one who sins. And if we sin, then that becomes our master. And if sin is your master, what does that make you? See, that makes you a slave. Now, I'm not saying that the child of God never sins, but sin is no longer his master. And that's truly what this idea of being a child of God comes down to. I am not a slave anymore. I am now a son of God and I've received this inheritance. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes, but I want us to first look, so turn with me, John 1. I want us to look, what does it mean to be born into the family of God? Why is that even important? As you're turning there, remember what I said, that the one who sins, Jesus said is the one who sins, verse 35, he's a slave to sin. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God, because you are not a son. You're not a child of God. doesn't matter whether you're born into a Christian home. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew and saying, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a son of Abraham. That's beside the point. That is irrelevant. Something must happen in you for you to be birthed into the family of God. Now, we talked about truth, so let's look at some truth. Truth is what sets us free. So let's look at some truth that will do just that. Because somehow we have to be transferred from being a slave and therefore having sin as our master. There's just this compulsion and desire to do what's wrong. As hard as you can try, there's just this, why do I keep doing the wrong thing? God needs to break that. God needs to birth something in us and actually birth us that we now become sons of God, children of God. So Romans, excuse me, John chapter 1. Let's look at verse 11. He is referring to Jesus. He, Jesus, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That which was his own was the nation of Israel. Jesus was born a Jew. He came to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. He came first to the Jews. That was his mission. The apostles went to the Gentiles. And it's not like Jesus never said anything to Gentiles. He did. But his main focus, above all else, was to the lost sheep of Israel. He came to his own, but his own, at least for the most part, it says, rejected him. They did not receive. They came on, he came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not in not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. So what does it mean to receive? jesus does that mean that you do that at like communion you receive the bread and the wine is is that what makes you a child of god to receive him the greek is very clear here it means those who believe in his name those who believe in jesus christ not simply those who believe the right things who get it right up here I was taught the Bible since I was a little kid. But can I confess to you that it was not until I was 14 that I recognized I was really a slave. And because I was a slave to sin, I was not a son, and I did not have that inheritance. I was still outside the kingdom of God. It shook me a bit when I realized I was not truly born again. I was not a Christian. Not until I was 14. That's when I believed in Jesus. Not just believed things about him, believed in Jesus. To believe in him means that you are surrendering your life to him. There is a commitment, there's a pledge, there's an allegiance that you surrender to him like when you become a citizen of the United States. Diego, how long ago did you become a citizen of the United States? How many years? Three years ago. You had to, uh, I'm going to use the term sworn in. They, they basically had to ask you certain questions and then you agreed to it, correct? I'm sorry? At, at gunpoint, yeah, no. But that was the only way he could become a citizen. He had to pledge his allegiance, so to speak, to this country. I'm kind of simplifying it there. That's exactly what it means to believe in Jesus. That's exactly how you're transferred from being a slave to a son. It is this pledge of allegiance. It is this believing in and thereby receiving Jesus. I'm going to talk a little bit more about receiving in just a minute. But when that happens, what does Jesus do? You look at your Bible, the verse. 12, what does he do? He gives you something. He gives you. The right. Now, the Greek word there is exousia. That literally means the authority. But I like the translation of right because that's what a right is. A right is the authority to do something. For Diego, it was the right to become a citizen of the United States. Without that right, he could not become a citizen. Without the right to become a child of God, you can't become a child of God. You have to be given that right first. How do you receive that right from Jesus? You have to believe. So when you believe, you receive that right, and then what happens? You become a child of God. Not born according to the flesh, or the will of the flesh, or husband's decision. You're not you don't become a child of God because mom and dad had sex one night and you got, and, and mom got pregnant and then nine months later you were born. That, that's not how you become a child of God. It didn't happen physically. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I had to be spiritually born because spiritually I was dead. I was dead in my sins because I was a slave. And then I needed new life That happened when I trusted in Jesus and he made me born again. Apart from truly believing, as we understand this word believing, that is believing in Jesus, apart from that, we're slaves. And we will forever be slaves. I don't care how well you recite the Apostles' Creed or the Athanasius Creed or any kind of creed. You will not be born again unless you surrender your heart to him. Then, not born according to the flesh, not because mom and dad were Christians, but because God made you a child of God. So do you see? So we are born then by the Spirit of God and therefore become children of God. Now, turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father. You know, when Paul's kneeling before the Father, what, what, does, what does he pray? He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, including Paul. And Paul, because he is a child of God, now has that right and that access To the father, but it says here that I, that we derive our name from the father. My name is Mike Curtis. I carry the last name of my dad. And so therefore I am part of the Curtis family. Physically, I was born and immediately received that last name. And because I have that last name, there are certain things that have been bestowed or bequeathed to me. As a Curtis. As a Curtis, I tell bad jokes. No, I'm just kidding. That's, my dad did, people did say if you're a Curtis, you end up telling bad jokes. <laughs> Not funny jokes, I mean. Be that as it may. I do try hard, by the way, church. Be that as it may. There are certain things that I have because I'm a Christian. I remember when I was in kindergarten. For one year, I was in kindergarten. When I was growing up, so we're talking sometime in the 1960s, before most of you were born. And I remember I was five years old, so now we're talking 1966. My kindergarten was at my high school. The significance of that is, see, That's where my dad worked. My dad was a 12th grade English teacher. Dave Curtis. I don't know how I remember this, guys, but I have a picture in my mind of the kindergarten room. I could actually tell you where it was in the the high school. I can't tell you where any of my other classes were when I was in high school there, but I can tell you where the kindergarten class, I don't know why. But I remember one day, isolated moment, I was throwing a temper tantrum. And in throwing a temper tantrum, and and it's having a bad attitude, it was because of something that they were doing. I didn't like it. And I just had a bad attitude. And so they were trying to calm me down. And so they didn't know what to do. And they said, little boy, what is your name? And I said, Michael Curtis. And they said, does your daddy work here? I said, yes, his name is Dave Curtis. By the way, I never called my dad Dave. It was also yes, always, yes, sir, or dad. It was never Dave. But that day I called him Dave Curtis. And they said, how about if I go get your daddy? I thought that was a great idea. Wrong! Wrong! I thought my daddy was going to come to my rescue. Well, he, in a sense, he did. He at least sat me down and we had a talk. Didn't go exactly the way I wanted, but we had a talk. And I calmed down. For a number of reasons, but I calmed down. And I pulled my act together. We, We actually, whatever it was that was upsetting me, that was taken care of. So that was on my side. But I calmed down. I just had to mention my dad's name. I guess he was between classes or, or or probably he was during it was during a study hall, but somehow he was able to leave his class on the second floor and come down and have a talk with his son. Because my last name was Curtis. You know, we too have access to our father. It, it says earlier in chapter 2, he says, Through him, that is, this, through him, Jesus, we both have access, Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one spirit. Did you know that when you believe in Jesus, that God himself and the person of his spirit lives inside of you? When he lives inside of you, just like when I was born. And by the way, when I was born, I got my DNA from my mom and dad. And if you were to look at a picture of my dad, Maybe I see this more than others. It's like, oh my goodness, my smile looks just like my dad's. Or this about me looks just, my ears, they look just like my dad. Wow, freaky. But I have my dad's DNA, or at least a lot of it. When you become a child of God, you get God's DNA. You get get his DNA because his spirit now lives in you. His spirit makes you alive in Christ. There's something different about you. You are a slave to sin, and it's not that you don't ever sin anymore, but your desires truly are for other things, and you really do want to follow Jesus. That's the change he makes in you. As Paul said, all things become new. It's like, man, my eyes are open. I can see. I understand things better now. Because God is in you and his DNA is in you. And he begins to do something really powerful and amazing. And this is part of the inheritance that you have because of His spirit in you. When you come before the father, before his throne of grace, because it says here we have access to the father it's Just like Paul said, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family derives its name. He's doing that because he's a child of God and he has access to, to the throne of grace. So he begins to pray, and God the Father actually hears him. Now, it's not like my voice called my dad while I was in kindergarten over the phone. I needed a little bit of help from the helpers, but he came, okay? But all you have to do is you have to call upon his name, and he answers, and he delights to answer. I don't know what kind of home you grew up in. I don't know what kind of a dad or a mom you had. But our Heavenly Father, because you are in his image and granted you were made in his image and that image because of sin was broken. But when you become a child of God, that image is being repaired. You begin to look like Jesus. Okay, ladies, you don't get the beard. I'm not talking about that, all right? you begin to look like him in love and compassion and joy and peace some of these things that really you long for in your heart and maybe maybe today you're not experiencing that because you haven't been born into his family but you get his dna God begins to do something in you and you receive this inheritance like being changed more and more to look like Jesus. Your sins are completely forgiven. That's part of the inheritance he gives you. Now here's a really cool thing, that that inheritance that he gives you, that your sins are forgiven. See, we receive his inheritance as a child of God and I'm just going to quickly go through a few things here. But you receive a portion of that inheritance now, it's like a deposit that guarantees the future for you. But that deposit of forgiveness for your sins, when you fast forward to the end of the age, not only are your sins forgiven, but there's no more sin in your life, eradicated, gone forever. And the curse that you have to live with in this world, that is gone as well. Sin is gone the power of sin broken, the penalty completely wiped out, and God makes all things new. That is what awaits us as children of God. That then is our inheritance. Now for some of you, part of your inheritance that you received may have been mom and dad's house. Maybe. Your inheritance that you're going to get when you get to heaven at the end of the age, resurrected body. A place to live forever. The effects of the curse that have ripple effects, sin has ripple effects throughout this universe so that the whole universe is broken. Not just you as a human being, the whole creation of God is broken. That all gets mended, completely made new. We get to live there. So now we receive our inheritance in full. The Bible says part of this inheritance is your salvation. Okay, yes, you're saved from your sins. You're not going to be going to hell. This salvation that you have is in part now, but then you get the whole total package, guys. The authority... It says that you. Rec- he gives you an authority to become children of God. When you become children of God, you now bear his name for me, that last name being Curtis. There are certain rights that I have. A stranger can't just walk into my house or my dad's house. Why? Because his last name isn't Curtis. I get to or I got to. I could walk into the house and if I had Sassed my mom, it was straight to the bedroom, and I waited for my dad. That happened a whole lot more than once. But I had access to that, that house. I, I, could, I could go into the refrigerator, I had to ask, but I, I could go into the refrigerator and get certain items of food that my mom would let me have, okay? I had to follow the house rules, but I had access to that house. There was, certain, there was an inheritance that I got. Now, we moved out of the house. I didn't get the inheritance of the house, but you will get this full inheritance when you get to heaven. That is yours. Now, the authority that I had was to come into that house, to eat food there. I had a room, granted, with three other guys that, man, did we know how to stink up that back room. I tell you what, sh- take off, Rob, just keep your shoes on, please, okay? You know, yeah, it, it, wow, four boys in that back room, that, it got pretty rough sometimes, but I, that was my bed back there. I had a right to sleep in that bed. I could take a shower, everything, because my last name was Curtis. And you have rights that God has given to you. If you were to look at John chapter 14, I'm not going to spend much time in this because actually each of these could be a sermon. I certainly can't do that. But in John 14, it says this. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We have something in our day called power of attorney. Power of attorney is something that a person can sign over to you, and it is basically an authority. So that when you sign a document, you use your name, but it is like they are signing their name on that document. You have an authority with that. And it is not the authority to just sign any document. It is the authority to sign a a document that they want you to sign but can't. So follow the analogy. We have this power of attorney, so to speak, so that whatever we ask of the Father, we will receive as long as we ask for it in Jesus' name. Now follow me. That doesn't just simply mean at the end of your prayer you say, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm gonna get it. Because it has to be in accordance to the will of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Just like a power of attorney, you can't just sign any document. It has to be according to the will of the person you represent. In Jesus' name, if you are Requesting something according to his will. In Jesus' name, you have the authority to receive it. Jesus has given us authority over every demonic power. Today, if you are facing oppression, today, if you're facing something that keeps waking you up in the middle of the night and disturbing your sleep, And it's not just physical, and you can sense that. You have authority in Jesus' name to command it to stop, and my Bible tells me it must. Okay? We have authority to cast out demons. I hope that doesn't freak you out. We have authority in Jesus, in his name, because when Jesus, in Matthew 28, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. When you make disciples, you do it in Jesus' name with his authority. The Spirit of God speaking through you. The authority is to speak the word so that they would hear and that that truth would set them free. Amen. And so this is our inheritance. When we're born as a child of God, everyone receives the DNA of the Father, and we begin to look more and more like him. Do you want to know what the Father looks like? All you have to do is look at the Son. Read the Gospels. I'm not talking about physical appearance, of course, but read the Gospels. That's who the Father is when you look at Jesus' life. That's what we begin to look like. This inheritance that we have, amazing. I want to I want to wrap things up. And this idea of us bo- being born into the family of God with this story. There's a, there's a young man that I spoke with probably somewhere in his late 30s, I would guess. Maybe he's 40, from South Africa. His name's Gabriel. He's actually from Swaziland, South Africa. He had a choice of which inheritance he would receive about three years ago from his father. But to tell you that, I want to back up several years because the main story is when his father was only 11 years old. His father was the tribal chief. When he was 11 years old, Gabriel's dad became blind in one eye. They didn't know why. It swelled and he became blind his dad, the chieftain of that tribe, took him to witch doctor after witch doctor after witch doctor, hoping that his son would be healed and would be able to see again. Every witch doctor he came to, nothing happened. With all of their incantations and rituals and, and, and charms, nothing changed in his son's life. One day, while Gabriel's dad was walking down the road at age 11 with his guardian with him. There was a white man and a missionary walking with his translator down that very same road. And as the missionary looked at his son and saw the swollen eye, he stopped him and said, excuse me, little boy, can I just lay hands on you and pray to Jesus that you would be healed? His guardian immediately his hand out and said, you cannot touch him. He is the son of a chief. And the boy said to the guardian, "But I really want him to pray for me, whoever this Jesus is. I mean, they tried so many different gods and so on. No results. Might as well one more, right? And so the missionary said, can you take me to his father? So the guardian took the boy, the missionary with his translator to his father the chief of the tribe and explained he would like to pray for his son and the man said do you want him to pray for you son and he said yes And so the man said, I have tried witch doctor after witch doctor and none of them have been able to heal my son. But you're asking that you touch my son and no one is permitted to touch my son. So I will allow you to touch my son and pray for him. But I want to tell you this, if he is not healed, I will take your life. The missionary didn't have to think about it. The missionary laid hands on him, and began to pray for him and cry out to God to ask that in Jesus' name this little boy's eye sight would be restored. And while he's praying for him, he's not done yet, the little boy, the 11-year-old boy, Gabriel's dad, cries out, I can see, I can see. And the swelling had gone down. He could see through his blinded eye, and the chief said, how did you do this? And the missionary began to explain, I didn't do it. Jesus said, well, who is this Jesus? And so the, the, the missionary had the opportunity to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus to this tribal chief. Both the chief and the 11-year-old boy that day give their hearts to Jesus. They get baptized. They're, they're Change. They're, they they can tell there's something different now in their lives. The sense of darkness is gone. Freedom. Wow. So the missionary says, "I'm so glad. I've got to go now. You know, because I've got to keep preaching to these different peoples." And the and the chief said, "You're not going anywhere. Uh-uh. You're going to stay here, and you're going to tell everybody in my tribe, everyone in my village, about Jesus." So the man began to preach and many got saved in that village or villages. From that day forward, both the chief and his 11-year-old son, Gabriel's dad, began to go to the different villages. After that, they received some instruction and a Bible from this missionary, they read it, they began preaching the gospel. I can't. I didn't ask Gabriel how many years ago this was. But three years ago, this 11-year-old boy who was healed and gave his heart to Christ and began to preach the gospel and began, when he was older, plant churches, he died three years ago, having planted 200 churches. According to tradition, Gabriel was supposed to become the chief now. And so he had a decision, much as we have to make a decision as far as what inheritance we receive. The inheritance because the devil is our father or the inheritance because God himself is our father. There's no in-between here. When I was 13, that's right before I was 14 and, and gave my heart to Christ, my father was the devil. I didn't feel that way, but that's what the Bible tells me. My father was, I was doing his will, and I was not doing God my fa- God, the Father's will. There's no in between here. It's one or the other. For us, we have to make that choice, just like Gabriel has had to make. Three years ago, he made the choice to not become the tribal chief, and he turned it over to his cousin. Even though each year he just has to make sure that the tribe and all the villages are okay, but his cousin is the chief. He gave that over to him. And instead, he took upon the legacy of his father. And for the last three years, he has been overseeing and trying to help care for these 200 churches. And when I spoke with him, we were actually traveling in a car together. He is one of the most gracious men you'll ever meet. Extremely humble. So filled with joy joy. Truly a transformed life because he's a child of God and he has received that inheritance from God's Father. I want to ask you, what inheritance have you received? Have you ever received the inheritance from God the Father? Because if you have not, God wants to birth you from being a slave to becoming a son or a child of God. I'm about to, we're about to do a baptism in just a moment. So that's going to be your cue, Grace. You can slip out. I am going to pray, but when we do this baptism, that's what this baptism is all about. Because Grace, grace has been birthed into being a daughter of the Most High King. Her Father is God in Heaven. Have you made that choice? I'm going to give you that opportunity right now so that if you have never made that choice to make Jesus your king, to make Jesus the one who now will give you the right to become a child of God, you going to do, You can do that right now. There, is, there, there doesn't need to be any more weight. You can make that choice right now. Maybe you just need to recognize your need. But when you do and you look to him, he's going to change you. He's going to make you a different person. And he's going to give you this inheritance. It will all be yours. I'm going to close in prayer right now. Father, I just ask you, Lord, would you kindly open our eyes to show us who our Father is? And if it's not you, I pray God begin to stir in us that longing, that heartache to be a child of God himself? And would you birth in us your DNA and make us that child, no longer a slave? Would you do that, Father? And I just ask, Lord, anyone who is calling upon your name to be assured that you will rescue them right now. So, Spirit of God, I just... Speak to every heart. Let every heart be examined, God. Call us out of darkness into your light, from slavery to sonship. Thank you, Father. You have all power and authority to do that. Would you do it right now? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray.